Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending your Son to die and rise, Lord, that we would be found unbound from the chains of death and Hades. Lord, we would ask this morning that as we gather around your word, that you would break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. As our service ended on Easter Sunday and we said, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. And we pick up in our gospel text for this morning. And it says that it was the evening of that first day of the week and Jesus appears to the disciples who have locked themselves in an upper room for fear of the Jews. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is peace be with you. And then he immediately says, place your hands into my hands, place your hands into my side. In other words, Check out my identity. I am the real deal. I'm the guy. This isn't an imposter. I am really Jesus. And we have this picture of this humble Christ that has come and suffered and died and bears the wounds as such. But by contrast... If you have your Bible along with you or you're following along on your phone and you turn to our reading from Revelation chapter 1, John gives us a very different picture of what Jesus looks like. Now by the time that John is on the island of Patmos and he receives this vision from God, Jesus has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of his Father. And so we see a very different picture of what Jesus looks like. John begins, and he says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. And then he goes on and he says, To him who loves us and has freed us, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And it reads as though it's a prayer. Because that's how we end our prayers with, so it's like saying, okay, God, goodbye, click, and we hang up the phone. But in fact, amen means let it be so. So he says these things, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, and then he says, let it be so. This is what it is, and let it be. We are no longer bound And in fact, Easter unbinds us 
from the chains of death and the grave. There's no magic trick. There's no illusion by smoke and mirrors that can explain away the resurrection unless we actually try and find ways to do so. On the whole, the resurrection itself is easier to accept on faith than it is by any other means. In Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, they concoct this plan for Juliet to fake her own death. And so she takes this potion and she falls into this death-like sleep. And then we know how the story goes. Romeo finds out and thinks that she's actually dead, takes his life. She wakes up. She sees him dead, takes her life. It's not like that. It's not like Jesus took some special drink or some special drugs that made it look like he was dead. He was dead. So much so that when they went to find out for themselves and they pierced his side, blood no longer flowed forth and actually water did instead. They placed a dead man in the tomb. And John says that he is a witness to all of these things that take place. That he saw it with his own eyes and he would stake his reputation, his resources, and his very life on that truth. Or perhaps to think of it in terms of a court of law. I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. To be a witness meant that you were willing to give up everything for the sake of the testimony that you shared. And so here, as he shares this introduction to Revelation, he does so in such a way that he says, this is truth. I didn't make this up. It's not fiction. It's not fantasy. This is future reality. It is a now but not yet kind of existence. You see, in life we are made slaves to death because it's the one thing that serves as the great equalizer since we know that it comes for us all. It doesn't care how much money you have. It doesn't care what your status in life might be. It doesn't care what your background is or your family name. It does not matter. At some point, we all draw our last breath and we die. He is the firstborn of the dead. And so when John now sees this exalted Christ in all his glory, it says that his first response is to fall down at his feet as though he is dead. 
It's not the first time that he has seen Jesus in the glory of God. He and James and Peter were all there at the top of the mountain when Jesus was transfigured and his face shone white, bright like the sun. And they voluntarily fell down before him so that they could worship. And here the response is very different. It's involuntary. The life is taken forth from him and he falls down as though he is dead at the feet of Jesus. Both the act of dying and the realm of death have been undone. He falls down at his feet as though dead. And he says, then he feels the right hand of God himself upon him. And he says, fear not. It sounds a lot like the peace be with you that we hear in our gospel text. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. You see, there's a distinction that's made here. Because death is the actual act of dying. It is the effect of sin in our life. Illness, affliction, addiction, relational breakdown. All of those things that are unnatural to who we are as creatures of God. All of those acts of dying. And then Hades. And this is where the English does a disservice because we associate the word Hades to be hell. And in fact, there's a very specific word that is used in Revelation when it talks about where the devil and his demons go, and that is the abyss. Because Hades in the Greek mind meant the realm of the dead, the place that both the righteous and the unrighteous would go when they ceased to live on the earth. And Jesus says, I have the keys to both. But as we read, Revelation can do a funny thing in our minds. And it's interesting to listen to different interpretations of Revelation because some people will read it and they will go, button down the hatches, the end is here. Jesus is coming today. I hope he does. That'd be awesome. But it's not like doomsday Armageddon kind of stuff. But instead, the revelation that he gives to John is just that. He doesn't pick John up and physically remove him from earth and place him into heaven so that he can see what this looks like. Instead, he leaves one foot 
firmly planted in his present reality and carries the other foot into the next so that he can get a glimpse of what eternity will look like. He is still alive. And he is given this now but not yet kind of perspective. In our house, we love watching the whole Marvel series. And this is a big weekend for Marvel fans. Endgame. It's here. And as a side note, Thanos, actually in Greek, the word for death, Thanatos, no accident, right? But when we first started going, and our, my kids were little, we went, and this individual sitting behind us kind of looked, and she says, what are you doing bringing a kid to this kind of movie? And whichever one of my kids it was, because it could have been any of them, turned around and looked, and went, doesn't matter, God wins. <laughs> we know who the real superhero is. Because in our house, we look and we watch and we see, well, these are amazing stories and they share amazing truths. And yet, at the same time, we know that the greatest truth of all is that which God gives us. And so when we tell this story and we explain the narrative of salvation, that God always wins. And so for months, we've been watching the trailers come out for Endgame. We've been waiting, anxiously anticipating, so that we can see how the story finally ends. And that's exactly what God gives John. He gives him a trailer. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to give you a little glimpse of heaven, and then you're going to have to wait to see what it really looks like. to actually live it. This ongoing work of the resurrection is extended through the work of the witness of Christ's church. You see, this hope that we have, we are called to give it away. This hope that we have in Him having the keys over death over brokenness, over disease, affliction, you name it. We're called to give it away. So he says, fear not. And so we have this picture of the humble Jesus who has allowed himself to suffer and die, given to us in our gospel text, and then by contrast, John says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the, the midst of the lampstand was one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. Right? He is both prophet and priest. He is both the proclaimer and the one that offers the atoning sacrifice. 
And then the hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. See, I really like this because in my family, we don't just go gray or go bald, but like if we go from my maternal grandfather, he went straight white. And see, that's a sign of maturity and wisdom and respect. But even more so, it actually connects back to the Old Testament, to these visions that God had given Daniel and Ezekiel when God had this flowing white hair. And now as we see Jesus seated upon his throne, he too bears the same honor upon his head. His eyes were like a flame of fire. You see, in the Old Testament, fire had this consistent connection to purifying. And at the end of Revelation, it actually talks about how nothing impure and nothing unrighteous can stand in the presence of God. And here, the fact that Jesus has eyes that were like flames of fire tells us that he sees past all of the things that we would set in front of us to prevent others and him from seeing who we really are. All of those layers that we stack up so that we can insulate ourselves and protect us from one another. Or even from God like Adam and Eve did in the garden when their first response to rebellion was to clothe themselves. To cover their nakedness. That God sees past all of that. And he still says, fear not. I have the keys. I have the keys to the kingdom and I'm giving them over to you. And in our gospel text, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever's sins that you forgive, they are forgiven in heaven. And whoever's sin you withhold, it's withheld from them in heaven. In other words, he gives them what we call the office of the keys. These are the ways that God comes to us and he says, you are forgiven. And Jesus says, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So that God always gets the glory. Now and forevermore. Amen.